Welcome into episode 54 of the Level Flight Podcast. My name is Connor. Today I'm going to be joined by Brian and Elliot as well. And on today's episode, we did a mailbag. You guys submitted questions and we answered them. Thank you once again to everyone who asked questions on our social media. We also promised that we would provide an update on Rasmus Kapari if we got one, and we did. Today, Scott O'Neill said that Kapari will miss four to six weeks with a shoulder injury, and the Jets called up Axel Janssen Fialbi to fill in for him. Other than that, the Jets have won four of their last five. This was a really fun episode to record, and we hope you enjoy. This is Danny Julkin, and you're listening to the Level Flight Podcast. And welcome into episode 54 of the Level Flight Podcast. We've got a full crew today. Elliot and Brian are here. And we've got a really fun episode. We've got a mailbag. If you saw on our social media, we reached out, asked for some questions, and uh, you guys came through. We got a lot of really solid questions, so that's going to be fun. But before we get into that, Brian, how you doing? Good. I am on my second cup of coffee. Uh, I am... Uh... You know, ready for the mailbag. We uh, we haven't done it in a while because we've been we've been wanting to, and then we'd get to like the day before recording and go, oh, we forgot to ask. Um, <laughs> so uh, we've we've managed to you know actually remember this time, and we are ready to hear what you have to ask us. Um, I will just put in a note. Uh, we were in class Monday night, and Connor turned to me and went, "Oh, we need to do the mailbag." Um, so it wasn't like it was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a better, um, more advanced time, but, uh, uh, yeah. So Dylan Sandberg episode, I thought we'd get back to doing that. We've missed, we've missed a couple. Um, I thought about that last week after I was like, oh, there's been no 53, but next two there's 54 and 55. So wait, who's 55? I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm not sure. Anyways, I, I don't know. Um, Maybe he just got a seven-year contract worth a lot of money. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I have no. no clue who that is. But Jets anyway. like throwing money around. Oh, wait. No, they don't. Never mind. But they did. Yeah, they um, did. But they did. Let's let's get into it. Yeah, let's the Dylan Sandberg it. episode, mailbag. The Jets played three games over the last week. They beat Nashville 6-3, lost to Dallas 3-2, and then most recently last night, they beat the New Jersey Devils without their top two centers. Six to three. Um, great game at Canada Life Center. But if let's just quickly roll through our thoughts on the the first two games I mentioned there, the Nashville game and the Dallas game. Nashville, Cal Connor scores the hat trick, and his second goal was deja vu from the one he scored back in 2019 against the Predators. That, that was cool. Yep. Cool to yeah. see. Um, but yeah, what what did you guys think of this game? Elliot, I'll start with you. Uh divisional opponent and they just kind of took care of business yeah i thought the last couple like the last little bit of play from the jets like i'd say the last five i know they were on a win streak but they've looked good even in their losses like just to talk on the predators game i i thought they controlled play pretty well i thought they actually came out they had a good start like 
I just thought it was a good performance altogether. Another good win for the Jets. And like we may talk about it later in the show, but I think this team's rolling right now. I think that they're showing why they could be, I'm not saying cup contender, but I'm saying they could be a contender to go on for a uh, a long run here in the Western Conference. Like as long as you get a decent enough draw, I like this game showed that if Kyle Connor is rolling, you've got, uh, production from the second line with Cole Perfetti and Ehlers. If that line can start to get going, you know the third line's going to chip in every once in a while. You know they're going to dictate play. And, well, the fourth line, we'll get to it in the New Jersey games, a little banged up right now. But yeah. also, if you have to, you also have to remember, this team is rolling without Gabe Velarde. Yeah. Right? And for someone like Rick Bonus, where... If Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, and Alex Iafalo are rolling, like we saw specifically in this game, yes, you put Velarde back on that top line. But if things aren't going the way you want them to, you have an easy switch. Yep. Like I know somebody from then someone has to move around and whatever, like Nemestikov probably drops, you put Velarde there. But anyway, speaking just to the specific game against the Preds, I thought everybody played well. I thought the Jets came out on deservedly came out on top. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of a, a dominant performance against a team that you should beat. Uh, Brian, Dallas game, quick thoughts, and then we'll move into all of our thoughts from New Jersey. But Jets come up short against another Central Division opponent. They played a lot of them last week. Yeah, uh, no, that, that was one of those games where um, it just felt like they weren't getting that little get-up-and-go that they needed too early. And by the time that they finally looked like Oh, they're playing their their best. They're playing their hardest. It was too late. Um, yeah. Like they they've got that that opportunity late to really press, and they just they can't really you know finish it off there. But um, I think like most of us though, a lot of us were focused on another game that was happening just after that. Um, but uh, you know the game itself though, it just felt like they were just not fully there until it was too late. Yeah. I agree. And then, yeah, that, that other game of the day you mentioned, we are going to talk about that at the end. Uh, the Bombers beat the Lions and moved on to the Grey Cup. So we're going to, you know, kind of recap that and then preview the the upcoming Grey Cup Sunday. Should be fun. But the New Jersey game, the one that happened most recently last night, big 6-3 win. Rasmus Kapari leaves the game in the first, like, first or second shift that he takes. Um, and it's a shoulder injury. They said they're going to know more today. They do practice at noon. So maybe I'll add in a note at the start of the episode or something if we do hear any news on that. But they go 11-7. and seven. They get Logan Stanley in. Um, and then a forward goes down. So they're basically down to three lines. And uh, and yeah, it, it doesn't end up – it doesn't matter in the end, right? They, they win. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, I thought, had a really strong game. He had three goals allowed, but I thought, you know, it looked a little bit better, made some big stops. Um, did you guys have any major takeaways, Brian? I'll go back to you for this one. Uh, a dominant win, but a kind of an asterisk given what the Devils lineup had looked like. Well, there's two things. Well, I'm going to quickly just circle back to what you said about Hellebuck. I thought he was good. Mm -hmm. I do think there is still some concerns for me with some of those rebounds last night. Um, because yeah. uh, there were there was some definite like, oh, that really should not be coming out to where it is moments. Uh, so that's, I think, but I, I do think though, he was still making the stops that, you know, he's had a little bit of issues with this year. Um, 
But in terms of like the asterisk, I, I think yes, but also you have to treat this as if it's a team that's, you know, lower than you in the standings regard. Like if, if you're playing a, a, a worse team uh, and they don't have two legitimate, like one, a one B centers, uh, you, you should beat them anyways. So I don't think it's an asterisk more so as this is what you should do to teams that are missing good players, because we've yeah. seen in the past, the jets have had a horrible tendency of losing games. They should win based on who they're playing. I'm not saying the devils are a bad team. Um, they are a very good team. They have some issues with their goaltending and they have some issues with uh, injuries and they took full advantage of it. And that's something that this team has needed to do for a long time. Uh, and it's uh, it was refreshing to see them sort of jump on that and, you know, put up, you know, a five spot on Akira Schmid. Uh, and, uh, you know, it wasn't a point where I was like, oh, after it got out in front, I didn't feel nervous or anything that they were going to give it up either. So. Yeah, this team has been like remarkably consistent in the way that they've played this year. It's been honestly, especially this this most recent stretch, they've won four of their last five. And I swear all of their wins have been the exact same. They look the exact same as a team, like front to back. So um, it's it's kind of fun to watch. And a lot of the fans inside, you know, the Canada Life Center behind me here, um, were really excited last night. They were having a good time. Elliot, what were your thoughts on the convincing win? I thought they played really well. Um, like Brian said, I think there was, I believe it was at the second goal, I think, where there were, he, Hellebuck kind of had two pad saves in a row and both, like one of them went off a pad, went into the slot, a Devils player shot it, it went off his pad again and it went right to a Devils player with an open net. Like his his rebound control, I believe, I, I think I said to both of you last night, I believe it was the second goal, was just like, really, like, come on, like, I don't expect that from Connor Hellebuck, but again, like you said, Connor, he did his job. They he made the saves he needed to make. Um, I thought the going to seven defensemen was a little bit of an interesting decision, especially against a team like the Devils. Like, I, I yeah. don't know if that was the smartest decision. Um, and I hate not being able to quote whichever. I know it was in the scrum last night, Connor. You probably heard uh, Scott Arneal say it. Um, and I just don't remember who asked the question or who it came from initially. Um, but even Scott O'Neill said last night, oh, normally, like, seems to always happen when a team goes from 11 yeah. or from 12 to 11, someone always goes down. Okay, well, then why why do teams go from 11 to, like, to 11 to 7? Especially if you know that's the outcome, right? Like, I get yeah. Rasmus Kupari is a fourth-line player, but he's he's a skilled player. He's been good on special teams. He's very good when he gets his minutes. Like that's like that's somebody you need on 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 the ice right now. And I and I get their whole we want to get Stanley a game and whatever da 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 da. And I get they probably would have played Declan Chisholm up here if they didn't if they didn't have the option to condition him down to the moose. But like I just I didn't personally think that the matchup for Stanley was there last night with the devils with I get they're injured and all, but that's, that's still a team that plays fast. They like to play in transition. That's just not Stanley who he is. Uh, but now I did think he looked fine last night, but yeah, yeah. I, th- like I thought that, you'd want to race to see if they could uh, handle it. Yeah, <laughs> I, really? I, I, yeah. You know, people will know if, if you've been listening to the show long if enough, you know, you know. Uh, if you yeah. know, you know, um, 
but the uh, I'm not going to let you live that down for what it's worth. No, that's totally fine. I tell people all the time that I said that because um, <laughs> it what gets people to watch the show. Yeah, this fair. is a great yep. show. Um, anyway, pun incoming. Uh, I thought the Jets looked uh, made Schmid look really uh, <laughs> Schmitty. The, no, <laughs> mid last night. Oh, wow. Um, I will say though, like in terms of the Stanley thing too, it's just, it's strange to me. They toss Chisholm down to the AHL in a conditioning mm-hmm. stint and immediately put him into second pairing minutes. Stanley played under 10 minutes. Like, I mean, it's, if, yeah. if you're really like, oh, we need to get him into action, playing 10 minutes uh, inconsistently with inconsistent partners is really not going to do that, uh, especially at the expense of David Gustafson. Uh, which we have a question coming up about that. So I'll go into more of that then. But mm-hmm. yeah, it just it felt like a very strange decision. And I understand that they're off for a few days here, but it just didn't really feel like it was the time to do it. And actually, it came back to bite them a little bit with the, you know, the Kapari injury. Yeah. And I just want to quickly mention to um, Kevin Sawyer on the broadcast last night made i guess interviewed stanley asking him how he'd been and yeah i get it these guys are human they want to be playing and when they're scratched they don't want to play and so he said well you know and stanley looked at dylan sandberg and went well because this guy's playing so well i can't get in the lineup well to my knowledge i don't think sandberg was ever coming out of the lineup stanley no, i know it's it's, it's it, schmidt it, or it, no one else essentially yeah it, 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 it's nate schmidt buddy but like okay i i don't know where you're getting dylan sandberg's coming out because well the coaching uh, staff last, love him but last year sandberg was great and they rotated stanley and sandberg like till the playoffs so i yeah. i maybe that's what he thinks but they did that all year last year, but obviously Very I think true. this year was a little bit different. Um, Very true. But yeah, I don't – here's my thing. I don't mind the we're going 11-7 to get this guy in because Arneal also said, you know, we don't play for two games. So what he was planning on doing was getting Ehlers and Perfetti more ice time, like 17, mm-hmm. 16 and a half plus minutes of ice time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um because there's only really three forward lines and you'd mix them onto that fourth line, right? But the 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 reality of the situation is Kapari goes down and Kolperfetti still only ends up with 13 and a half minutes of ice time. So I don't know, like he was planning on doing it. Your fourth line is one guy. Your fourth line is Morgan Barron. And he then scored. it ends up being, you yeah. scored. <laughs> and then it ends up being that the guys you wanted to get more ice time get less than usual. Like Perfetti's averaging like 14 and a half minutes. And of also, yeah. why are after you that performance, him? all he's doing is putting up points. All he's doing is producing yeah. and playing well enough defensively. Like I, he's our best just, defensive it, forward. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. wow. There, there's two other guys that I would probably say are better defensive forwards. And one of them, though, like he is, yeah. I, I think analytically, I don't think there's anyone who is as like good. Like obviously he's, he's playing the wing but he's not getting the toughest matchups, but he's doing everything he needs to in those matchups to limit them. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's interesting because I don't see where, like if you're going to go 11, seven to get a guy in fine and you want to play other players fine, but that didn't end up happening. And it, you could just take Schmidt out. Like that's happened once this year is the Vegas game. You can just sit Nate Schmidt. You don't have to go 11-7 to get Stanley. For Logan Stanley, um, which is what happened, like you said. 
Right. So I, I don't know. I, I, it was puzzling, but it ended up working. So you know, they honestly, um, they just ended up playing. Uh, granted, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna put a little bit of an asterisk beside Ehlers because he spent his fair share in the box last night. Right. Um, but he ended up playing Perfetti, Baron, and Ehlers about the same amount of time that you would get from a third or fourth line. So he he did manage to get them time with Baron. Uh, just I guess, yeah. He essentially said, uh, "This is the fourth line now." Um, yeah. But I don't understand though how you can look at Cole Perfetti and not say we need to get him as many minutes as possible. Yeah, yeah. And I, we're going to talk I about totally Perfetti agree. in the mailbag here. Yeah. I, I just want to say too about ice time. Um, as much as I did mention, like the Lowry. Uh, I almost said domestic hub, uh, need a rider line, like that third line with also Mason Appleton. You also have to remember that that line gets deployed more than a third line normally would. So they play more well, second. They are line the second minutes. line. Yeah, they are the second line. So yeah. you have to no matter of... what the jets try to tell us in their lineup <laughs> graphics, that is the second line. And then yeah. you're getting that. But the, the thing is though, like, I understand that he penalty kills and he does other things, but there is such a disparity between Nemestikov, Perfetti, and Ehlers in their ice time. Like Nemestikov had 17 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like how can how can you explain the four minute difference uh, when Perfetti's the one who's you know he's got what he's scored in four straight and has like what like an eight game point streak or something like that? Yeah, seven or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Perfetti's been fantastic. It's it's really. Something four goals to assist since last five. Sorry, there you go. sorry like, to cut you off. Play the guys who actually good. produce because eventually other guys are going to go through cold streaks. Like you can't expect uh Connor Shifley IFLO to be putting up like seven points combined a night like they have over the last yeah. like week or so. Like IFLO has uh you know put up the same amount of points this week than he had in the entire season up to that point. Yeah, Connor yeah. has he which Kyle Connor now tied for the league lead in goals with Austin Matthews with 13, um, which I think is still uh, we're keeping pace with the Sharks as a total on the year. Um, yeah, because I think at one point last week, Austin Matthews had more goals than the Sharks had scored total. So uh, Connor now challenging the Sharks to see what uh, what he can do. Absolutely. I, I yeah. just quickly on the Connor thing, I just want to bring everybody back because we've gone through the one year on the podcast and the 50th episode. What was one of the first topics we talked about on this show? Both of you. His ice cold start last year. Yep. And what has he done this year that it's been the complete opposite? Yep. Like th- he is it's- absolutely just rock solid. Well, like it's yeah. it's crazy to me. And I we and we I think we we all said it. I essentially a year ago that he's going to be just fine. He will find yeah. a way. And he ended up being fine last year. And I, we didn't even, I'm surprised actually over the off season, we didn't even talk about him going on a cold start. Like it's like, we knew that he wasn't going to come out cold again, yeah. but I think it's, it's, it, he, he's a very, um he's a very streaky shooter. Like he's yeah. either scoring a lot or he's not scoring at all. Right. Like, he is we we've no and I think we all noted that last year as well. Like he's a very I'm gonna score two or three on a night, or I'm gonna not score, or if I haven't scored in a while, I'll score one, then none, and then go on a streak where I score like, three games in a row with two, and I look like I'm the best scorer in the league, and then he just goes silent again. It's kind of similar to what we saw from 2016 Patrick Line or 2017 Patrick Line, where he would score like 
three, four, five goals, and then we wouldn't see a goal from him for like five games, and then he would have another hat trick. Um, But the other thing is, though, we didn't see that Kyle Connor until, what, January last year? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Had he scored at even half of that pace, he would have been like a 50-goal scorer last year. Like, he's on pace for, you know, 60-plus goals right now. Um, So... Yeah. What we need to realize is at some point he's going to regress, but as long as he doesn't regress to how rough it was last year, we're probably getting 45 to 50 out of him almost guaranteed this year. Yeah. And it's just, he's, he's there. Yeah. We, I think at some point or another, we're going to get 50 goal Kyle Connor. And I think this is it. Yeah. I think this is, this yeah. is the best chance he's ever had with given the start 13 goals in 15 games. That's really, really good. And then the, yeah. I want to bring up the shooting percentage. I mean, his it was kind of obvious like this that this was coming, but not to the extent that it is. Uh, his whole career, he's been sixteen percent above fifteen percent, uh, and then last year dipped all the way down to eleven and a half percent. This year, he's up to t- like nineteen and a half, so that's like a little high. His average is around the fifteen percent mark, but but still, if he's shooting fifteen percent from this year, point forward, like he's still going to exactly. put up fifty-five yeah. goals. Yeah, exactly. So well, what's he on pace for? 65, 67, something 65, like that. Like, but like, yeah, it's not like yeah, that he's going to get there. Know. But like, yeah. I, I think it's just it's something to note that like we don't we haven't talked about it a lot. He just got recognized as the NHL second star of the week for last week. Like, yeah, he he is. If there's a definition of he's back, I, I think that yeah. he, he is back. I, I do agree that he has the best chance to win any sort of scoring award this season. Also being that none of the other like normal candidates are like, like McDavid's not off to a great start. Matthews, he's tied with Matthews, but Matthews isn't off to like this 17 gold. Like I haven't, I mean, he's got I haven't missed like 15 games. 13. Two hat tricks to start the year. Yeah, but Austin awesome. is going to finish the year with more goals than Calcon. USA hockey like, yes. just <laughs> yeah, just sitting back with their popcorn and watching their two best US goal scorers right now with Jason yeah. Robertson starting to look like he's coming alive. Like USA hockey's yeah. goal scoring is frightening. And, with and the, Canada's Canada. goaltending is also frightening. Uh yeah. so if I, they played if they played best on best right now, USA would win. That I don't even I think, think so. that's a hot take either. Uh, the, but, but anyways, we naturally we said we wanted to go shorter with game recaps, and here we are at 22 minutes. So, which yeah, if like, you're on video right now, uh, <laughs> you can see me looking down. I am surfing natural stat trick because I'm I'm, I'm trying to push a perfetti narrative later on with this question. So I'm not I'm not unengaged here, but this is this is what I'm doing here. I've hey, got a narrative. We shouldn't to be push, pushing. Right? We shouldn't be pushing narratives, but <laughs> well, we're pushing. We're pushing all sorts of narratives, and all of them are involving Cole Perfetti. You know what? Goal Perfetti. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Four straight. All right. Um, let's get into it. Do we want to take a, a an ad read break first before we get into that would the probably bake? be smart because this could yeah. this could devolve fairly quickly into a lot of talking. So yeah, let's do that. Uh, we're going to hear a word from both DraftKings and Raycon, who we appreciate sponsoring this episode, and we will be right back. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. After the Jets have gone on this little run here, did you know they're still plus 750 to win the Central Division? 
something to think about for sure. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY or 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-QUADRUPLE-7 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, see dkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources uh, are there for your availability. Uh, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. It may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on right now. You've heard us talk about Raycon's products before several times on this podcast, and you know Raycon made a name for themselves in the audio space. Their products, like the Everyday Earbuds, known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features, just a 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. And this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro-USB, and USB Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Their faucet filter ultra-filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site, with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com THPN to get 20 or 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com THPN. And welcome back into episode 54 of the Level Flight Podcast. Thank you once again to DraftKings and Raycon for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to everyone who submitted questions to our mailbag. Uh, let's get right into it. We, we were talking about Cole Perfetti before before the break. Um, at Ascended X Saiyan, or imagine he's, he's uh, submitted questions all the time on the show. We really appreciate it. But he's asking, how many points do you guys think Cole Perfetti finishes the season with he in the question he says goal perfetti like elliot did earlier but um yeah i'll start with you brian how many goals or sorry it's points how many points do you, th- you see i'm getting all mixed up now um he's just scoring so many goals how many points do you think cole perfetti finishes the season with well the thing too where it's if he gets any more ice time this number changes uh yeah. because right now i mean 
in terms of all-purpose ice time, he's averaging only 13 minutes. Five five on five, he's only averaging about 11. Um, yeah. And he's still scoring at a near point-per-game pace. Like, his points per 60 leads the Jets uh, at five on five, and it's not particularly close. He's got three point, uh, 3.26 total points per 60. The next closest is Nino Niederreiter with 2.64. Like, it's... Yeah. It's in the disparity there is wild, but I think we see him end up uh, with, I'd say somewhere around 65 to 70 points. And, you know, at his current rate, you're probably going to see about 20 goals. And I think that is something that in his year, you know, he's 21 years old and he missed the better part of last year and the year before. And he's coming in and looking like this and playing a rock solid defensive game. Uh, That's why he was picked in the top 10. That's what we've been looking for. That's what we're getting. He's scoring. He's, you know, putting up points. He is making everyone else look great on the ice because, you know, he's able to just feed passes through and have guys with wide open nets. So I think you're looking at probably around 20 goals, 65 to 70 points. I think he pushes closer to a point per game, though, if he finally starts getting that ice time. And you could see closer to a, you know, 70 to 80 rather than that 65 to 70. I agree. Yeah. I, I, like you said, Brian, I'm only, I'm in that 60, this 60 to 70 range, probably a little bit lower than 70. Um, just cause of the current ice time. He, he is essential to like, I know this sounds crazy, but I know it really isn't. Um, I think he is essential to Nikolai Ehlers staying on track and really getting going. Like, I don't think, Cole Perfetti uh, does anything else other than find his teammates. He's going to score, right? Like he, he, there are still times where he doesn't shoot the puck when he should. Um, but he is so good at finding his teammates and making sure that, uh, that they're getting the puck and getting their opportunities. And so for a guy like Ehlers who shoots the puck a lot, who's a puck dominant player on his line, I think that's huge. So I think him paired up with Ehlers, and if Ehlers can actually start to get going and Perfetti doesn't have to rely on Nemesnikov to put up points for him to continue his point total going up, um, I, I think we're going to see a really good season out of Perfetti. But I, uh, I, I, like Brian said, I'm very impressed after the last two seasons of being injury riddled that he has started the first 15 games and he is playing as well as he is, honestly. Um, not that I didn't ex- think he could, I just think that, um, I don't think that he like was expected to, to. so yeah, yeah, he's definitely well, like in the go ahead, Brian. I was just gonna say too, where it's like, can you imagine if there was someone who was playing center who can consistently produce as well? Like Vlad Nemesnikov, I will say, first of all, he's fast enough to keep up with those two. And he's not like, and he's a smart player. Like he knows where he needs to be. uh, And he's very good defensively. But can you imagine though, if there's like, I mean, just off the top of my head, let's say they decide they want to see what Velarde looks like at center. Um, Just put Velarde in the middle on that second line. Unreal. Maybe they want to move Perfetti back and you put Velarde on that wing. Suddenly that's unreal. Like, can you just imagine though, what happens if you have a guy who can reasonably score at a decent rate that isn't Vlad Nemesnikov, uh, who uh, can also just keep up as well offensively? Yeah, 
Yeah, it would it would be I think that's like where Velarde's going to come back. I would agree with you there. On that that second line, the wing, uh maybe they move Perfetti back to the middle or they try Velarde at center for the first time this year coming back from an injury. We'll see. Uh but yeah, I So right now he's on pace for 27 goals, 44 assists and 71 points. Uh so he's right at that mark that you guys were saying. I think when you take those numbers, I think the the goals pace is going to slow down a little bit. But I think the assists pace is going to pick up. Uh, I think he finishes right around like 20. I wrote down here 22 goals. Um, but I think he's going to hit over 50 assists. I I don't know if if this has been like a a a uh, what what's the word like a conscious effort to shoot the puck more, or if it's just that's how it's kind of falling. But Cole Perfetti's never been like a shoot first player. Never scored a lot of goals. He's always been a guy that overpasses. Yet here he is on pace for almost 30 goals. I just don't really buy it. Like I think I think I I buy in the talent, but I don't know if the goal scoring keeps up. The assist number, though, I really think is gonna pick up. You add a Velarde to that line, Ehlers gets going, he starts scoring goals. He's he got two goals last night, he's up to four on the year. Like if Ehlers gets going, Perfetti is gonna be the one that benefits um like assists-wise and production-wise. So I think he's right around 70 points. But I think it's it's less thirty goals, forty assists, and it's more twenty goals, fifty assists. Um, that's that's what I'd written down here. That's my my prediction for for Cole Perfetti this year. I think the assists really are going to start to pick up here in the next the next month or two. Um, let's get into the next one. Uh, Brad Lambert, do we see him up on the Jets before or after the All Star break? I'm just going to quickly say before I throw it to either of you guys, we're not seeing Brad Lambert this year on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, no, I am I'm in full agreement there. Unless half of the forward group dies, um, I, I I truly can't because first of all, we already have this year where they seem more uh, reliant on guys already in the NHL to move up, or they're going to call up like a Dom Toninato. Or I think people forget too. Axel Janssen Fialbi is still just in the AHL, yeah. and we know how much that they loved what he brought last year. Um, so I, I honestly think that unless you lose like four top six forwards, uh, you're not going to see a guy like Brad Lambert or, you know, these young skill guys down there who are still trying to find their game. Yeah. Brad's been great this year, but this is his first time that he's looked legitimately great for an extended period of time at the professional level. So we can't just assume that that would translate either. So if you bring him up and you put him on like, like in the top six, uh, he's not going to produce at like a point per game level. Um, and I think that what, what you would also be doing him a disservice because you'd probably be disrupting what he's doing because uh, he's getting comfortable. He's playing those top minutes with the moose. And I think that unless you see a ton of injuries or somehow, I think it's, it's hand in hand. You see a ton of injuries and the jets fall off and they're like they're missing guys like Shifley, Connor, you know, Ehlers. They're all, you know, done for the year or something. Because then at that point you're you're not making the playoffs. So you're going to bring up the young right. guy. Until that happens, he is going to be stapled to that top line in the moose. I want to bring up two things. One, Brian, just to continue your point about uh Brad Lambert coming up, uh might we all not forget uh that Vili Hainala did many good things for the Moose over many different years. And it only took until this season for the Jets to go, 
Oh, you know what? I think after three really good seasons in the NHL and dominating almost every preseason, that I think it's time for him to make the NHL roster. Right? Like, Brad Lambert did not play very well. He played well in the preseason last year. Did not play well with the Moose. It then got him sent down to the Canadian Hockey League, specifically the WHL. Yes, I know. I know. I know him and the... um, Seattle Thunderbirds went to the Memorial Cup. They won the Western Western Hockey League Championship. But that is, quote-unquote, if you want to take it this way, that is multiple two or three, if not four steps from the NHL. And he dominated the CHL after not looking good in the AHL, right? So I feel like we see like a Kyle Connor path where maybe he starts next year with the Moose and then comes up and is becomes a fixture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because there's, there's, I, yeah, like that's what I think that's what we're looking at. But this year, so many different things need to happen for him to actually come up that I yeah. don't think it's going to happen. And if it does, it's not in the scenario that you want it to be. Yeah. Con- uh, Connor and I, when we spoke to Murata Tesh of the athletic, uh, over the summer, or I guess just before the season began, right. We keep bringing this up, that interview up, but it's because we all, all three of us on that show that day agreed that, like no, none of the young skill guys. No, a Chibrikov, a Lambert, uh, a Lucius. Nobody else is coming up unless there's multiple injuries to the top six. A Kupa, and I know we're about to talk about Gustafson here in a little bit, and we've talked about the Kupari injury. But the Jets aren't going to be calling up a skill guy for a bottom six injury, even though Kupari is more of a skill guy in the bottom six. He's still a bottom six player to the Jets, and so they'll just bring up an Axel Janssen Fialbi, a Toninato. Yeah, they will bring up somebody else that's not one of the skill guys. And that's not to say that those skill guys aren't playing well enough to, quote-unquote, get an opportunity. It's that the Jets just don't like doing that. And so that's just against what they do. I mean, let's be real. Like, I think we'd all love to see what Brad Lambert can Mm -hmm. do at the NHL level as soon as possible. But there's a level of realism to this, right? Where there's you you have to realize if he's if he's the one coming up, you're probably not going to like the reason why. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I think you said it best, Brian. It would be a disservice to him. He's playing mm-hmm. center at the pro level for the first time in his career and killing it. Like just let him let him cook in the AHL. Like there's no reason to bring him up. Um, he's not. He's not adding to this forward group. Like the Jets are scoring six goals a game on this on this home stand and this this winning streak. They put up multiple fives and six spots on their opponents. You don't need more goal scoring. Um, I just oh, you can I, always I get more goal scoring, but the, not from that the, specific thing. But yeah, like but I it's get, also I not fantasy hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah the the Brad Lambert thing. He's let him stay in the AHL. He's doing great. Uh, and just, yeah, just kind of leave him be because he needs to develop as a center for this organization's future. And he's doing that right now. Um, outside of, you know, Brad Lambert and Rutger McGordy, this is, this is another question. Um, Brad Lambert and Rutger McGordy aside, who are your guys' favorite Jets prospects to, you know, keep an eye on? You're keeping tabs on, uh, Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, I have a soft spot for goalies. So I'm going to go Dom DiVincentis. Um, he's still young. He's still fairly raw, but from what I've seen out of what he does in, you know, the, the, 
and what he's doing, you know, uh, he's probably going to be the starting goalie for Team Canada at the World Juniors this year, as long as he's um, healthy. Like that's the thing. Like, and he's he's had a very good run of of health too to start his career, which is great for any young goalie. Um, and I think that it's one of those things where you really hope that his successes in junior are attributed to process rather than just you know results. Because if it's attributed to process, then suddenly the Jets are looking real set up for the future. Um, and then, like, I mean, Tom, Thomas Millich is no slouch either. Like, he he no. went down. He started in the ECHL this year, did really, really well. He was just called up to the Moose, uh, had his first action in relief of uh, a scary and Selman. A start. Um, and a start. Um, and then, uh, but, like, he was doing really well with Norfolk in the ECHL, which I'm assuming he's going to end up back there once uh, Colin Delia mm-hmm. is back situated and uh but i think it's a great thing for him and a lot of good goalies get their little you know their first kick at pro action in the e so it's like it's you're not gonna uh, you know it's not a bad thing that he's playing in the lowest pro league that's affiliated with the jets i think it's great for him like i mean like the a good example of this and i think it's we're gonna see him either before the end of the year or the start of next year but in detroit uh, Sebastian Casa or Cosa, I'm not 100 sure. Uh, he played all of last year uh, with the Wings ECHL affiliate, and he yep. came a long way. And now he's playing decently with Grand Rapids in the in the AHL. So it's it's you're you're seeing that's a decent pipeline, and I think that's I think that's key, honestly, for NHL teams to keep that link with another league too, because there's not only enough room for two guys in that in the uh, the AHL. Otherwise, you're you know, sitting guys for too long and the three goalie system, the, the moose have done it before and it has not worked. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Evan yeah. Kermier, number one goalie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just quickly, um, yeah. Dom DiVincentis, um, very good goalie prospect. And yeah, like you said, Brian, for him to sit in the E is not a bad thing, especially if he's getting time. If he was a backup in the E, I'd be a little worried, but because he's, a, he was the starter down there. I think it's just fine. Um, also just wanted to mention, I know DiVincentis did get a little bit of a knock. Uh, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago. He was out for about a week and a half, I think for North Bay. Um, but hmm. nothing to be worried about sticking in the O I will go with recent jets first round pick. And if you've listened to the show, I banged his drum for the jets to take him and lo and <laughs> behold, he was there and available, uh, Colby Barlow, um, 14 points, 14 games. He's got nine goals already. Um, not that this team apparently needs more scoring, uh, but that's what he does. All he does is score goals, and he is he's really good. I know Connor and I uh, got a chance to watch him training camp, dev camp. Um, not that he was, like, I know he was going up against pros. Times he looked like he disappeared, but it seems like uh, going that was good enough experience because he is, like I just said, he's point-per-game pace right now in the O and he put up 46 goals last year in the O. So I'm hoping that that pace continues. I don't know if he'll, I mean, I hope he puts up another 46 um, in his post draft year. One is that, po- is, I forget how that all works, um, mm-hmm. but we'll see. I, I just hope that he's obviously he's young. He like just, tur- well, February 14th, his birthday, he'll only be turning 19. Like, and if he's already the Jets already looking at him to come into dev camp and such, like and, I'm, and I'm I know and, and training camp. I I think he is he is the perfect blend of a player 
that, yes, he isn't great defensively, but he, unlike somebody else on the Jets team that loves to score goals, Barlow is not afraid to get dirty in the corners, win some puck battles. He doesn't mind playing against the wall. So I, I think he's a perfect player for this Jets team that likes to play and likes to spread out the ice, play along the boards, play in the corners. But he also can he can shoot the puck, and he's got pretty decent hands too. So his development, I think, is going to be pretty paramount. I wouldn't be all too surprised if he is a guy that at the end of the season gets the uh, potential moose treatment, um, depending on where the moose are looking at towards the end of the year. Um, but we'll have to come up and see, but he is one of my favorite prospects in the entire system. Yeah. And I'm going to stick, you know, with like kind of highly drafted players, I guess Steven Chentis was in the seventh round. So he kind of stands out on this list, but I'm going with Elias Salamonson, just the best, uh, defensive prospect the jets have, um, just based on how he plays and what he's been able to do at his age in, in the, the, um, the Swedish hockey league SHL, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, the S yeah. Um, we talked to Scott Wheeler a long time ago, three months ago, uh, and just asked about Elias Salomonson because there was a lot of chatter, um, around his name. And Scott basically said, like he talked to their general manager, their head coach, their management staff, and they were really impressed with what he did. He was like made the best impression on that team over the course of the year. So really excited to keep tabs on Salomonson and how he's doing. Um, and the world juniors, people are going to start to notice because last year he got hurt and didn't make it to the world juniors with Sweden. But this year, if he stays healthy, he's going to be a force for a Sweden team. That's going to be really good. And people are going to start to realize this guy's really, really good. And, uh, yeah, the jets, the jets hit on one second round defenseman with Dylan Sandberg, and they might hit on another one with Salomonson because he's just been that good so far. Um, Similar mold of player as well. Two guys that are just safe with the puck and play really good defensive games. Yeah, I would say Salmonson's more like more of a puck mover. Um, yes, and a 100%. better offensive option. But yeah, I I agree. Both long, rangy, and uh, good defensively. Um, all right. Um, has Gus? This is the next question from Mark. We are away from the the questions from Ascended X Saiyan, um, and we're moving on. Mark asks has Gus done enough to move Kapari to the press box now this this question was asked before the game last night obviously um and if Kapari's out long term then it doesn't really mean anything but I think the answer is yes he did do enough the the move from him to center on that fourth line kind of signaled that um and when Velarde was back I think Kapari would have been the guy to come out now it's obvious Kapari's hurt but yeah do you guys kind of agree with that statement that Kapari would have been the guy out no you think it was gus elliott i i go ahead brian you go first yeah for me like i i just don't think that they put enough stock into the fourth line to really see i think the exact impact that both guys are gonna i i honestly think that in terms of what they like how they play kupari i i don't think that it was enough for gustafson to come in and and do do anything to really displace unless he started scoring at the rate that he did when he came came back in right score uh and then suddenly had two goals all of a sudden but it feels like they are very you know still high on what rasmus kupari has whether whether it's potential or what he actually does 
And I didn't get the feeling that Gustafson was, you know, the guy to be like, okay, he's staying in, Kupari's going out. Um, but I also just don't think that fourth line is given enough runway to even like properly evaluate that. I think Gus would have been the uh, just the default because he was the one who wasn't in the opening night lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, Brian. The fourth line doesn't get enough time for them to kind of go, okay, we need to make a change here. Um, but I also actually have to think it has to do with Kupari right now in terms of his skill set. Yes, I know we know he's a former first round pick. He's got tons of potential and we see it. He shows off his hands. He shows off his his speed. Like I, I think that's one thing that the Jets like having in guys in the fourth line is size. And if they do have speed that they like to use them, look at an Axel Janssen Fialbi. That's all I'm, I'm sorry to AJF, but that's really all that he has. He's got some size and he's really fast, right? So a guy like Kupari, I think fits more what the jets are trying to do. I also think that yes, Gus scored, but he hasn't done anything since Kupari is constantly at when he's on the ice, he's normally generating more offense than a guy like David Gustafson. I know Gustafson's more of a safe pick and he's very good defensively and he's a really good penalty killer, but I think Kupari brings more to the table five on five. And so I think that's where the jets have decided. And well, I mean, we've noticed that they've decided that five on five is more important because they won't do anything to change the power play and the penalty kill hasn't been great either. Um, But the, the jets have decided that five on five, they're trying is trying to be their thing because that's where you spend most of your time during a game for the most part. And I think Kupari helps them out more five on five. I don't think Gustafson, like if Gustafson had five goals and seven points or something at this 15 point mark, okay, fine. Maybe he'll have done enough to kick Kupari out of the lineup, but I don't think Kupari's done enough to get himself kicked out of the lineup. And I don't think Gus has done anything to displace him. I am going to disagree with you both. What has Kupari done? Plain and simple. He hasn't, he hasn't done it. He hasn't done anything. Yeah, he's fast. And like, sure, he like four checks hard and he looks fast skating on the ice. But Gustafson's the better defender. And there's no question about that. And he's actually produced more offensively than Kapari has. Like, yeah, the potential is there. But like you guys said, the fourth line is just not getting enough run for him to like tap. I into think that that's potential. why is I think the team just is relying on potential there. It doesn't feel like they're focusing on results. Which is I fine. Think, I don't mind that. I don't personally. think Kapari has done. I think he's played his way out of the lineup personally. I don't. Think I personally think he. he I don't has, think either of them have done enough to allow. He's the got way. one assist. He's got one assist. He's an offensive player. He's got one assist in fifteen games. But I notice Kupari more. Like Gustafson, I don't feel like I know. I know he's more of a defensive player, but I don't feel like I notice him in the defensive end where I should. Where if he is a defensive player, he's making plays. He's getting sticks on pucks. I don't feel like I notice him. And I definitely haven't noticed since his two goal like randomness. I haven't seen him on offense. At least when Kupari is on the ice, I notice him driving to the net. He's normally generating a chance. He's doing something when like that actually feels like contributing when he's out there in his minutes. I feel like I'm not, and I'm not trying to say he's crushed his minutes. I just feel like he has at least done enough to stay in the lineup. And I don't think Gustafson's done enough to kick him out of the lineup. And, I, and yeah, playing I, from behind essentially, where it's like it involves Gus having to go up above and beyond because very clearly the Jets are high on Kapari, and yeah. we know that they like to sink their 
you know, their time into players that they are high on. And so it feels like Gus was in a hole to start with because let's be real. He uh, hasn't had the ability to really prove himself because he's been hurt a lot the last two years. Um, I feel like he was in this position a couple years back and then it was displaced by, you know, one of their weird late summer, you know, goon signings that they would bring in. And then they stopped doing that. And then he got hurt and he lost that ability. And now it's like Kupari's, uh, you know, he's here. They like him. I just think that he was playing from behind. I don't think either guy is going to move the needle for you. Like, no. I don't think it's one of those situations. Um, but I, I honestly think, though, like, I think Elliot's right, though, where um, essentially what you're getting is a guy who's just faster than Gustafson. Uh, and you notice him because of that. And I guess like the noticeability factor. Sure. That's the thing. But you're like, going to notice Axel Janssen Fialbi more than David Gustafson because Axel Janssen Fialbi is faster and he's pulling yeah. away from guys. Gustafson's not fast, but he's smart and he's strong. Uh, but like, I think if you, if you swapped out Kapari for Janssen Fialbi, you'd still probably notice Janssen Fialbi more because he's the one who's going to be, you know, flying around out there. It's like, I guess. You don't notice but, a guy but, who's but rock I... solid defensively and playing a good game because he's just he's doing his thing. You you notice the guy who's going to be making like the weird plays where he's sending himself flying into the corner or pulling past a defender to try and get to a loose puck. But I also don't feel like I've like you guys can co correct me if I'm wrong, but I also don't feel like I've noticed Gustafson defensively either. And I know that's can be a good thing, but I don't even feel like I've seen him get a stick on the puck or make a defensive play either. So to me, it's like, okay, well, if you're defensive, that's great. If you're not making any mistakes, that's fantastic. But you also hope that you'd make a play on the defensive end as well, right? There, there's there's a balance of of both sides to that coin, right? So yeah. to me, if Gustafson's not, if he's being solid, fine. But I kind of expect you to make a play every once in a while. Like Kupari hasn't scored. He hasn't generated, he hasn't scored many, he hasn't gotten many points either. He hasn't accumulated much, but at least he's generating chances and he's generating momentum offensively. I don't feel like Gustafson's making a play defensively or getting a stick on the puck, getting an interception, and that's generating momentum. He's kind of analytically, just, it's like he's, analytically they're, they're the exact just, same. They yeah, produce oh. the same amount of shot attempts, they produce the same amount of expected goals. So at this point, like you're, you're, pulling a name out of a hat and you're essentially getting the same, you know, results. So yeah. Which I right. find a little interesting that Kupari isn't generating a little bit more offense than that, but I can also You'll see play. how that's the that's case. The thing where it's like yeah. they, you can only produce so much when you're just getting thrown out there occasionally. I, I would not be playing Rasmus Kupari more than eight and a half minutes a night. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't see the appeal. I think, I don't know if this is the right, way to phrase this but i think his speed is like empty calories it's like yeah oh he's flying down the wing but then he loses the puck and it ends up in the corner anyways and nothing happens because of it like yeah he's a fast skater yeah there's there's flashes there was early on in the season where you get sprung for a breakaway and you're like whoa rasmus kapari is super fast and he's that he's like by nhl edge tracking um the fastest player on the team, apparently, but I just think it's all for nothing. And if anything, he skates himself into trouble too often. That's just, that's just the way I see it. And and this might this whole conversation might be null and void because he might be out for three months. And it's Gus. Who knows? Maybe right? Gus just plays his way into keeping the spot. Like that's the thing. Like or Gus plays his way out. Well, because like that's like, that's the yeah. thing where yeah he's probably going to move to center, which is his natural position. Um. Mm -hmm. 
and that's where he had all of his his success with the moose so you see that and then yeah we'll find out how severe the kapari thing is because if it's long term you're going to see a call up it'll probably be like dom toninato and then you're running baron gustafson toninato which just feels like a bunch of guys yeah just guys just fellows just a few fellows just but but here's a good question would you rather dominic toninato or jansen harkins Toninato, 100%. Harkins, too. Empty calories with his speed, man. Like, what is he also, What is he doing? You know what doesn't matter in the NHL? How much you produce in the AHL. <laughs> yeah. But two guys that do that. Two guys that do that. How many players do the Jets have that do that? Like, Harkins and Kapari are the exact same player to me. I'm sorry, but that I I just see it the exact see, same. See, that's player. a little bit too far. I can sort of I agree. I don't think so. He has one point with your... in 15 games. Like, what would Harkins be doing on the fourth line right now? I'm sure he'd have one point. In I don't think games. he would. And I also I think don't he think would. that I also think that he'd be out there for more goals against. I don't think Kupari's been out there for that many goals against. Yeah. Okay. Like, sure. I but wonder how I, Harkins I, I is think... doing in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, now he's <laughs> back in the A. Anyways, we gotta we gotta get moving. We gotta move um, on. This is how did our conversation guess. about two fourth line players go for like twenty? <laughs> That's always minutes how there. it goes. That's We've hit an hour of the recording, and we just spent twenty minutes talking about Erasmus Kapari <laughs> and David. And this Jeff. next topic is gonna get me riled up because oh god. Well, we're we're gonna combine. I know you guys see the questions in the doc. We're gonna combine these two because they're kind of similar. Um, so Zach, who we used to go to school with at CMU. Uh, super nice guy. He he asked, what are some trade targets for improving the defense? Or is it really necessary? Um, and then Dom on Twitter asked, what are the Jets missing to really be a contender? He's thinking a top four D-man and another middle forward with grit. Um, so the, the combining of the question that I'm going to do here, so we answer both at once, is do you think the defense is like makes the Jets a contender? Is that what they need to take that next step? Um, or is there another piece like Dom mentioned where it's like a middle six forward? Um, and then if you, if you have anyone in mind, like some, some trade targets, Elliot, I'll start with you. Um, I've been banging this drum as well, just like Colby Barlow. I've been banging this drum all summer for the jets to make a move at defense. Like Connor and I were just having a little chat the other day. And I said with Calgary, with the Calgary flaming a fire sale, the jets seem to be calling about every single one of their defensemen. Just to see, just to see who's available. Uh, I think the Jets need to look at any other team that is not in playoff contention currently or is looking like they are not trying to compete. Um, I'm not going to name teams because I could go on for forever, but just to keep it quick and short, a top four D would be fantastic because then that means you move either Pionk or Dylan down, uh, preferably, hopefully, well, I mean, both of them have their, I think with Dylan's heater, you can't move him down. So I think someone like a Sandberg with Pionk on the third pair would be great. And you bring in a guy because you're not touching the first pair. And then either you make another acquisition at the deadline for a depth D or something else. Um, But personally, I think if the jets brought in a top four D, I think that increases their chances of, I think, especially competing in the central even better. Uh, bringing in a middle six winger obviously would help. That would be more of a deadline acquisition. I think the Jets need to be looking for a defenseman now and pulling the trigger on somebody now. Because I get that the I get the price is cheaper at the deadline, but I think this team has shown throughout the year that 
guys like Nate Schmidt, Neil Pionk at times, Brendan Dillon before this recent hot streak. Um, those three have been very, very inconsistent and they need a consistent top four to be a contender. So if this team is considering trying to either win a cup or be a Stanley Cup contender, I don't think you really need to touch the forward core, especially if, like we talked about last year, about Nikolai Ehlers being that trade deadline acquisition. You can kind of think of bringing back Gabe Velarde after all this as, an, as him being another addition once more to this already clicking forward core. So obviously bringing in somebody else helps, but I don't think you need to look there. If there's somebody cheap that you can throw a fourth and a seventh at or a third and a fifth, something nice and cheap, that will add to your lineup fine, but I I wouldn't mind trading one a prospect right now for a defenseman. Yeah, Brian, do you agree? Uh, the issue that I have here is if you're trading for a defenseman who you're planning on putting in the NHL lineup, um, you're just you're adding to an already irritating logjam of a bunch of guys who are just like. They have hot streaks, or they're really, really bad. Um, a bunch of fellas. Like, just a bunch of fellas. Um, but, like, I'm sorry, but if you're bringing in another guy who's just going to play similarly to, you know, that, you know, the, the Pionks uh, or Schmidt or Dylan, and you're not moving one of them out to make space money-wise, uh, I want to see what happens when suddenly Mr. Uh, Villahanala is healthy, who would want a spot likely out of camp. Like, mm -hmm. I think you're better off if you, the only way this works is if you move one of the, the, the contracts there. Like if you, if you somehow get someone to take Nate Schmidt, um, mm -hmm. then suddenly I'm okay with moving, uh, you know, for a defenseman, but it just, uh, to be realistic, I, I, I think that what you're, you're going to see here is a move that won't really move the needle i don't think because you can't bring anyone in without you know somehow keeping better players out of the lineup yeah i yeah. i agree with what you said there the i think the the lineup where it is right now what i think it's missing are like game breakers so like yeah. a bona fide top pairing right d or a bona fide top line center like i know mark shifley's been great uh and if he can keep this up at both ends of the ice he's been great can keep it up fine he's he's a top line center he's, right but yeah i think they're missing like those top end of the lineup players and you're not going to get that until the deadline when a timo meyer becomes available or whatever whatever the case may be now the the question is for me at least is whether or not they should even make a move like that depending on where they're at at the deadline because let's be honest i'm not 100 sold on the jets as like a contender yet I know they they've won four or five. I know they're rolling, but let's look. Let's okay. I, I was walking. I, I carpooled Jacob Stoller of the Hockey News and Yahoo Sports. Does great work. Go check him out on Twitter. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday. The Jets against playoff teams, their record is bad. Like yep. okay, they can beat up on New Jersey without their top two centers: Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona. Great. They've lost twice to Vegas. They got curb stomped by LA, um, and they lost to New York. Uh, well, they, they lost to Dallas. Like, wh what's their most okay? Their most impressive one of the year is probably Florida in the home opener. Florida's been really good this year, but Florida's decor at the time was like I think I almost suited up at third pairing lefty for them that game. <laughs> like, I, it was rough. Like they they were hurting 
on the yeah, back until end. they start so, beating the teams that they need to actually beat to get yes. on their way to a cup it doesn't matter like you can like, yeah, it, like the, saying, the whole yeah. thing with this is uh you notice also too teams that win have more than one portion of their game jets play one of the best games in the nhl at five on five mm-hmm. you put them on the penalty kill or on the power play they're in a they're entirely different team yep. yeah. uh so if you put everything together, I say if even if they get a better power play percentage, because you can then cover some deficiencies up with the goal scoring. Better power play, I would start arguing that maybe, yes, they are getting into that contender view. But you can't score on the power play consistently. You can't stop other teams from scoring on the power play consistently. Mm-hmm. Five on five is only a portion of the game. You actually have to put other things together for it to actually work and there's something to be said, like they're beating the teams they're supposed to, which is something we haven't seen in, in years past. They would lose these games weirdly to San Jose. Not beating the ones they need to. Right, exactly. Like yeah. the, the, I think another one of their most impressive wins was Detroit, yeah. where Detroit was at the time, I think, 6-1-1, one, and one, one like top three team in the league. And then they beat them on the road, 4-1, right? And Hellebuck looked great. He arguably stole that one a little bit. But that's what you need from, you know, Hellebuck, your Vesna winning goaltender. And it feels like they're right there. Like the Dallas game, the New York game, they're right there. They're so close to beating these playoff teams, these bona fide contending teams, but they're just not quite there. And I'm not sold on the fact that they're like a middle six forward away. You know, like I think they're uh, like from being a Stanley Cup winner, I think they're a bona fide, like a Noah Dobson, if the Islanders sold. Or like like a yeah. bona fide top pairing. Like they're not Nikita Zadorov away from being this this unreal team. Like the, oh, the Jets have yeah. Nikita Zadorov. His name's Brendan Dillon. Well, like let's also like, keep in mind too, like and Dylan Sandberg. Yeah. Dylan Sandberg's like, better than both of those guys. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking of like the Rangers game too. How many times did the Jets have the ability to put that away on the power play? And didn't. Yeah. yeah. And that's how you need to beat good teams. You take the opportunities they give you. And show that you are also a good team that you should not give them the opportunity to actually come back. The Jets had what five power plays in that game, went over five. Um, yeah, I, it was something high like that. Yeah, but bad. yeah, no, I, I also don't think that I, we also have to talk because the part of that question too was a, a middle six forward with grit. Uh, what type of grit are we talking here? Because there's the grit where it's like they don't add anything the to the Reeves. lineup they're just there uh to uh you know they're just there to be you know running around and hitting people or is it the grit like a like what tampa did so well over those few years there where they get those guys that yeah they're gonna they're gonna make you really really angry to play against Corey uh, Perry. But they're also uh not even i wouldn't even say Corey perry i would say like a, a like brandon hagel or a barkley goodrill obviously not for the yeah. price um or like um uh, Blake Coleman is another one yeah. too. Like he's fallen yeah. off recently, but like when he was traded to Tampa, his whole thing was he's going to go in there. He's going to retrieve the puck and he's going to set someone up. Like that's the grit that I want, the usable grit that actually leads to things. But that being said, you have a reliable middle six uh, forward right now playing on your top line that might at some point end up back in the middle six. Right. Yeah. And you also have, you know, a just bona fide goon in Nikolai Ehlers um, in the yeah. six already. So there's, there's uh, no the point in adding. There, so. oh, I, yeah. I want to quickly preface that when I said Calgary, that was my example. I also want to mm-hmm. say that I don't want the Jets to just trade for like Nikita Zadorov. Right. Like they, they need to be, 
I agree with you, Connor. When I made that statement of I want them to make a trade, it needs to be for somebody who's going to make a difference. Someone that is going to put up either points or is going to be like so rock solid defensively, like like more than like a Dylan DeMello or a Brendan Dillon. Like it needs to be somebody that is going to make an absolute difference. Like you said, a game breaker. That's why yeah, I mentioned I, them put throwing in a prospect because that's what you're going to get. You're going to have to trade a two, a prospect and potentially a roster player like a Nate Schmidt or a Brendan Dillon or a Neil Pionk for a game breaker. Like that's, and, and yeah, I, even at that point, I still don't think the Jets are a Stanley cup contender. I, but I do think that if they make that move they're closer, they're closer, but I would actually say that they would go on a run in the Western Conference. Like I would, I not that I would bet on it, but I would wouldn't be surprised if they, up. like like you said, like if they stacked it up, they traded for a Noah Dobson, and then the Jets went yeah. to the Western Conference Finals. That I wouldn't bet on it, but if they did it, I go okay, that makes sense. They traded for a yeah. game breaker, they gave up assets, and that's what it got them. Yeah, I, I, I got what you were saying with the Calgary thing, but that's a good clarification. Uh, the Noah Dobson thing, I'm, I like the Islanders have just been bad to start the year. I'm just throwing a random name out there, but same thing. Yeah, it's same thing. Guy it's like just that, let's, right? yeah, just it's somebody out there that does something that nobody else on this roster is doing at the moment, right? Yeah. Someone that is going to make plays either defensively or on the offensive zone that are going to win you games. Yeah, let's get into mm -hmm. the final two slash three questions of the mailbag. Thanks again to everyone who submitted questions. These are great. Um, yeah. Gives us something to to debate. Um, when <laughs> This is from Rebel, who has submitted questions uh, almost every time we've done a mailbag. Um, he just likes to hear his name being said. Exactly. Um, but he, he asked a two-parter. Uh, when Gary Bettman retires, who takes his place? <laughs> And at Chipotle, do you prefer a, prefer a bowl or a burrito? Now, I don't have an answer for that first one. Like, I, I, do. I don't know. Enough. I don't have an answer okay, for I'll let either you of those questions. I'll let you Thanks. go, Brian, because I don't know enough about, like, the NHL media. Executive like, board. I, I, I don't yeah. either, which is why I'm, I'm going to go off the board here. Um, oh, I, I think there's – there's I'm going to answer both questions here. First one, when Gary Bettman retires, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson will become the commissioner of the NHL. Oh he keeps saying that he, wants Elon Musk. he wants to get more involved in like sports management because he's like, I love running the XFL. So I'm like, the next natural step is to take over uh, the NHL and then turn it into just Naturally. professional wrestling on ice. Um, but then, I mean, it already is, but... Uh, well, then what we're going to be able to do here is we're going to, first of all, make clear that we don't have Chipotle in Winnipeg. Um, yeah. But I know enough about the uh, sort of like that sort of restaurant, like a, like a Cadova yeah. or a Burrito Cadova, Splendido, yeah. stuff like that. Um, yeah. Or a Barbarito is where I, this, that's by default. So we have the option. I'm going to go with a bowl because it just feels it's the like the right choice. Like you, you can, first of all, easily customizable. Like, you, yeah, you can customize a burrito, but then it just all gets like mashed together. Yes. When it's a bowl, you, it feels like you get the choice of how you want to layer things. And then it's just like, you're, you're eating just like a delectable meal. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you get a burrito and it just goes everywhere. You don't even end up eating half of it. Cause it's just so and you messy. have like a half wrapped up piece of tin foil in your fridge. And then you're like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's going to go bad. 
Yeah, you gotta uh, play with the the tinfoil to like bring it down to take another bite of the soggy. burrito. Yeah, it's just a, it's just not the right choice. It's I've had Chipotle my fair share of times when I go down to the states for I don't know miscellaneous reasons, but bowl one hundred percent. I'm on the bowl train. I've never gotten a burrito and I never will get a burrito. Bowl okay, well let's not crack. let's not do that. No, like, I will no. get a burrito. I have to be never. in a mood for a burrito. We're going there apparently. Oh. Uh. Um, how, so, how is this a question that we're talking about? On so, he, 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 so here's my addition to this. I've never been to Chipotle, first off. Yep. Um, I don't go to Cadoba or Burrito Splendido very often. Mm-hmm. So all I will add is the only time I will get a burrito is if I'm not adding more than like three or four things to the burrito. Like if it's like meat, cheese, cheese, lettuce. Yeah, like beef, cheese, lettuce, tomato. Done because after uh, that I agree with some beans. you guys. It oh no, absolutely not. Beans um, there, yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. The, beans. No, my, not, point, like... my point being, after like four ingredients, it all starts to fall apart. So there's no point. Yes. yes. And I Thank normally you. don't go to any place. I I don't normally go to places like that. Anyways, not that I don't like the food. It's just I just don't like. I'm never near one, so there, I don't even think about it. Uh, yeah. So beans. Beans though. Perfect example. Something I would get in a bowl and I would enjoy in a bowl, but not but a never in a million years. I would never get beans in a burrito. Like, it's just, it's too, like, why? Like, okay, we're I'm having sorry, a food section clearly... on every single pod now. Yeah. Yeah. We've scrapped the NHL headlines, if you haven't noticed. And we're, we're just talking about food. And yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll add like Gary a let's, let's, let's bring it back in for the last question here. Yes. Uh, for the, the Jets, actually. Yes. Um, do the Jets. This question, sorry, got to get the questions up, is from Vinny at Winnipeg Jets with a Z uh, on Twitter. Do the Jets do a jersey rebrand next season, heritage colors with the current logo full-time, or maybe something else? I thought that this going into this season would have been the perfect time for the Jets to rebrand. Uh, there was a lot of rumors about it, weirdly. Um, they were and, wearing the heritage yes, gear for practice and training camp. I... I think it's coming soon. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think it's like next season soon, but I think in the next five to six years, you'll see some sort of a rebrand and the original Jersey that we see now will be altered somehow. I don't know if it's going to be heritage with the, with the current logo. I don't know if it's going to be maybe add more to the current Jersey and just keep it as is, Uh, but you'll see some tweaks. I think in the next five years i don't think that's like a hot take that's a long time and they've they've had these jerseys now for what 12 years 11 years so yeah it, i yeah. think it's coming soon yeah i'm, I'm right you there with agree. you that's yeah. that's about where i'm at because it feels like they missed the opportunity this last year but they're probably going to work towards it over the next couple because it doesn't feel like we're going to get it next year now as well yeah yeah i i don't I, I actually think it might be longer than five, six years. I think it's longer than that. I don't think they're going to te- do anything. Teams rebrand all the time, though. Like you see, I know, like but Boston, like Jets. Boston. Okay, but you can't, call Bo- you can't call Boston a rebrand. They the did, logo. Though. Their jerseys are completely different. Like like an, an original six team just rebranded, and their jerseys are like a cream. Like their road jerseys are like a cream. They're not even white. Yeah, but like like, like – the logo, like, I'm just I saying, like, either original, don't want to get too much. In, this is too, don't want to get too, yeah, it's too deep. I don't even want to call like the like teams like Boston, the Leafs, Montreal, they don't really rebrand, 
it's it's, no, it's more a like a, it's a re, it's, like it's a refresh it's yeah. a refresh like look at the leaps the like well, that's it's what still I think a leaf we're gonna do yeah like, a refresh it's... not a re not like a complete rebrand they're not i don't think they'll go back to the old logo but, but that'll be me, like an alternate to thing me, to me i don't think then if you're doing a refresh then don't do anything at all just make it more alternates then if you're gonna do yeah. if you're gonna do a rebrand or a refresh do don't do a refresh do a rebrand change the logo you don't have to change the colors because that just gets complicated like i get like that's right. i guess where boston did more of a rebrand than a refresh is because they changed the colors but to me like change the logo change this change that change the secondary logo whatever like if you're going to do a refresh then just go make an alternate like realistically yeah. just go make an alternate don't waste everybody's time and call it a rebrand and say that you spent so much time doing this when you like added this to whatever logo like get out of here with that just change it up if you're going to change it up go completely different like i don't want like i guess teams in the nba do the same thing where they kind of but i like when teams go away from their previous logo and completely change what what's on there like the charlotte hornets went from i know they went from the bobcats back to the hornets but they've done different things to change what their actual logo is right yeah just as an example but yeah the the nba i think is a whole nother discussion because i personally think they do it way too often like they they are constantly rebranding new jerseys kind of oversaturated uh but the nhl and especially in the jets case i think it's it's not long overdue yet but it's going to be in the next three four years it's going to be like all right what are we doing here because we still got the same jerseys yeah, the alternates are really nice heritage, but yeah, I I agree with you. I'd like to see a re, a full rebrand if they were to do something. If the they're going to do anything, it should just be a rebrand. So yeah, I agree. Personal um, preference. Yep, fair. Let's uh, let's get out of here. I'm heading to practice. I will add a note in if they say anything about Rasmus Kapari. Yeah, I've got I've got 50 minutes to get over there. Um, but yeah, if they say anything session. about Rasmus Kapari, we will keep you updated. We will. Perfect. Add a note at the start of the episode or whatever the case may be. But thanks once again to everyone who submitted questions. That was a blast. Um, and we're going to get back on track to doing this once a month. You heard it yes. here first. We're, we're not going to let it go as long as it did anymore. Um, but yeah, from all three of us, thanks for listening. Episode 54, the Dylan Sandberg episode. Catch us next week for the Mark Shifley episode. Should be a good one. Uh, Jets with, who do they play? They play Buffalo and Arizona on friday and saturday back to back both at home and then tampa bay on tuesday starts a road trip in florida there um so yeah we'll be back next week to break all that down check us out on all of our social medias at level flight wpg we'll be posting a lot of content a lot of clips um and yeah give us a follow over there give us a share we really appreciate it and from brian elliot and i thanks for listening and see you guys next week you're listening to the level flight podcast on the hockey podcast network 